Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Standing on My Soapbox, the daily rant and radio show. We talk about all of the good, bad, and the ugly of current events. Join your host, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. You, our listeners, are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us. Call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. Welcome, everyone. Sitting on my soapbox, it is Tuesday, May 7, 2019. I am your host, Scott Fullerton, and in just a little bit, I'll be joined by my extra special co-host today. Actor Katie Barberi will be filling in for Craig Hurley today. This is your hour to call in and talk about anything that's on your mind, and we'll weigh in on the news, politics, and pop culture happenings of the day. You have about 15 minutes to call us at 347-989-0126. That's 347-989-0126. You're able to hear the show while you're on hold. We'll get to you just as quick as we can, so give us a call. Let's go ahead and step up on my soapbox and start talking. How's it going, Katie? Uh, it well, I, I'm just I'm I'm enraptured. I'm over the moon. I cannot handle the fashions at the Met Gala. It's just too it's too much for my it's too much for my girly soul. It truly is. But I'm doing great, my dear. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Yeah, the Met Gala is um, is a huge deal, and all the gay boys who are into the fashion, that's the one gay gene I did not get. I did not get the fashion gene. You didn't, I'm get, not the, into you didn't it get the all. fashion gene. You know, it's I'm not really good on the, I am good on the interior decorating. I got that pretty good. I got the oh, snark wow. down pretty good, but I did not oh, get the wow. gay I'm, fashion I'm gene. Over <laughs> so disappointed in myself. But I did oh, see the man. fashion because all the other gays in the world posted it on their social media, and there was some pretty darn cool outfits i have to admit it was it was just it was beyond was it not it was beyond i'm still i i just don't even know what to do with myself right now it was extraordinary now, i actually i i questioned the whole the theme not the theme itself in and of itself but just the fact that it was named camp i assume that the publicist then and the stylist knew what that meant because for me camp is it's a type of comedy that's over the top. That's camp. First of all, it's a type of it's 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 a form of of, of theater or television or film, and it's 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 over the top. So I understand exactly the pretense of over the top with the fashion, but I also saw it kind of expressing itself in many different ways, which is fine because fashion is entirely subjective. Not I mean uh, yeah not objective it's subjective and it's it's okay to do and be whatever you want but i saw everything from a very very elegant version of camp or a very elegant interpretation of camp such as anna wintour's kind of you know a feather i don't know if it was a shawl or boa or what that was but it was it was kind of very it was over the top for her it's something that would be very over the top for anna wintour who was just um, just severely appropriate in every situation and, and, and right, whose right. sense of fashion never wavers. So there was that all the way up to Katy Perry being dressed as a candelabra and then a hamburger. 
So I'm not sure. Like there's and and that and that's great. And I thought that was cool because there's so many different versions of what that can mean to each celebrity that was there. And I thought it was really cool that everybody was just allowed to express themselves because for me, there's camp like what you saw with Thalia. Thalia is a uh, she's a telenovela legend and she's a Latin soap opera star. Uh, not I mean not star, she's a legend. I mean she did. She did some of the projects that have resonated the most in in in, in the Latin culture, uh, and all over the world, really, over the last 30 years. I mean, she did Quinceañera, she did all the Marias, Maria de la del Barrio, Maria. These are just these are these are projects that 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 are that are what other projects are based on. She was a Valentin Pinstein find, and he's a find, and he's known as the telenovela godfather or the the true creator of the telenovela genre as we know it she was there with her husband Tommy Matola and she looked very cool in this kind of spacey sort of over the top outfit and it was it was blue uh i guess blue sequins with then it would have been on the inside of this very spacey kind of thing she had protruding up out of her neck um you know, silver on the inside, and that looked very cool. But then you've got Katy Perry, again, dressed as a Big Mac, and I, I don't <laughs> know, you know what I mean? It's like, is that camp yeah. fashion, or is that is that a costume? And if it is, do we need to judge? You know, and then there was everything in the middle. And I, I just right. thought it was absolutely fantastic, because I think – I think everybody went on the went on the carpet and made a statement kind of without you know what maybe I don't know if that was the point but it was about inclusion and it was about you know it was about you be you and just whatever your interpretation of that word is camp what does that mean to you and get on the carpet with that be it something right. over the top for what people know you as or a full on costume of a you know a candelabra where are you in this process and and right. whatever you're in, should you should you or should you not be included in this festivity? And of course, the answer was yes. You know, and it was just kind of a beautiful thing to witness. There was those who looked really gorgeous. I thought uh, Lily Depp looked extraordinary. I thought she looked beautiful. I thought, and she was she. I think she was wearing a dress that was based on an anime. Um, I don't know if I have that right, but based on an anime uh, um, uh, character. And there were, you know, it was just, it was absolutely extraordinary to witness. And then there's a rumor out there that Kim Kardashian had ribs removed in order to attend the Met Gala. She did not. Oh, my goodness. No, you don't have to have ribs. I know that her waist is inordinately small. And I am not the type of person to, 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 to be afraid to say who I am and what I've done if I've had any plastic surgery. I'm very, very open about it. I don't know why anybody has to be ashamed of that. And I did have liposculpture at one point in Colombia, because here's the thing in Colombia. Colombia, the country, not the university, um, everybody everybody has something done. It's almost a prerequisite to living there. And I remember the day that I had my liposculpture, I went in, I was a size three, and I was going to come out a size three of surgery. But it's just that things were shall we say, repositioned in different places. And gotcha. that's how liposculpture works. Yeah. And I, w- I was on the phone with my mom, who was in the United States, and it was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's when I went in for my surgery after having fasted all day long because I had been on the set all day. Like, it's that cash. And my mom said, 
don't aren't you nervous? And I said, well, I would be more if people here weren't reacting like it's a manicure. Because I that's just everybody's attitude down there. It's just it's one of the <laughs> plastic surgery surgery capitals of the world, and it just right. it turned out fine. And I'm happy that I did it. It's it's helped to you know I mean that was ten years ago now, nine or ten years ago. So there's no way you know I have to maintain with diet and exercise. Otherwise, I will lose my waistline, and I wouldn't attribute it so much to this process or to this procedure anymore. But right. you don't have to have ribs removed that's a, that's that's a falsehood they said it about Thalia at one point there was that rumor out there what you what she might have had done is that liposculpture and you would be blown away just exactly how small our waist is if if fat is removed from that area and it can get excessive and of course you know she's looking like a a, a human Jessica Rabbit at this point you know a, a human drawing or a human Barbie doll of some kind right um, and and it, and of course that doesn't look real. And if you if you if you analyze the proportions of a Barbie doll in real life, it would look that way. It would look that exaggerated. Their little waists are not proportionate to the rest of their bodies or hips or their breasts or anything else. So you don't want to go that route. And I didn't go that route. I just had things repositioned and I had a little bit of fat taken out of the of the um, waist area at that time. It just had to do with I think I was. I was in my mid-30s, and I just was having trouble even with diet and exercise doing what I wanted to do with my body. I wanted a little bit more a little bit more booty and a little bit less waist. And they were so right. eager and calm to do that on a you know Thursday afternoon that I went ahead and did it. I don't regret it at all. It was, it was a decision that I, I stand by. But I think that in, in, in Kim's case, it might look a little bit over the top. And I just, you know, I remember, you know, I remember being very specific with the surgeon in Columbia. I do not want to be, I said, I don't want a shelf back there, you know, but, right, but I guess, right. you know what I mean? You don't want a shelf, a little bit more booty is fine, <laughs> but you don't want a shelf. And they were able to do that just by removing fat. They can, they can make things look different just by removing fat from certain areas it's absolutely extraordinary it's like you know it's like uh, bodies by design but I think in her case like Craig just said you know she fit right in with the camp motif just with you know the, right. the work that she had done <laughs> Craig says she could have just gone naked anyway that's his comment not mine. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily stand by that but uh, but uh, but I, I thought that it was a really really interesting event and I think it's very cool that everybody um you know, uh, was able to express themselves in the way that they did. I thought it was extraordinary. What did you like about? Oh my God, Celine Dion looked like the living image of Las Vegas. Like, what would yeah, you think really Las did. Vegas she over looked, the top showgirl would be? That's what she looked like. Definitely looked extraordinary. Truly, I thought she was extremely showgirl. Um, she yep. looked good. I mean, she's what is she now? She's got to be, I don't know, fifty, sixty now, and she was looking pretty dang Dude, good. But she looks. Of course, they say that the new 50 is the new 40 and 60 is the new 50. That's just us learning how to take a little bit better care of ourselves. And it's also us learning how to be comfortable in our skin. You know what I mean? There's always been such a stigma about age. And I had somebody say something very insulting to me recently. Um, And it wasn't insulting because it it didn't involve a number, but because that's not how I view myself. You know what I mean? Right. I am I am not sure. I'm 47 years old. I'm loud and proud about it. I do not think that my opportunities are over. 
I do not think that my ability to produce is over. I don't think that I should, you know, uh, give up on anything or, or believe any less in myself under any circumstances. And I don't advocate anybody doing that at 75 if they want to get out there and still fulfill their dreams. So um, I think that age is just a number. And I think that now, um, I think that now more than ever, we're seeing that reflected in something like the Met Gala where somebody like, you know, somebody like uh, uh, Celine Dion shows up and just steals the show. And as well, she should. She's fabulous. Right. No, she looked fantastic. And to go back to your point about like even Katy Perry, a lot of those people, I don't know how they can handle figuring out two outfits, let alone one. But what this originally was for those um, straight guys out there who are not women and gays, don't know what the Met Ball was. It was originally um, called the Costume Institute Costume Institute Gala because what the Met Ball is all about you know that you is are the annual fundraising right? gala for the Metropolitan yes. Museum of Arts Costume Institute. Costume that's what it's for. It's a fundraiser. So that's what that right. That's what she was right. celebrating. I get it. Okay. So it is a combination. Yeah. So camp is. You're right. It's a high, high exaggerated form, and that's what the red carpet looks were supposed to be. And then when they did the change into it, then they kind of celebrate the costume part of it. They can do both. But that's what, it, but that's what this whole thing is about, that actually the annual fundraiser for the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute. So that's what the thing is all about. So it's, so it's a little bit, it's okay to go both ways on it. You can go costumey, but if in order to get to the theme, the red carpet really you try to nail the theme. And I think a lot of people think because camp is exactly what you described. Should be over the top, um, should over be the outrageous, top, yeah. and I knew it, I a knew lot it of people. A, I knew it to be a form of artistry, a, a, a genre, of, a style of acting, if you if you will, camp. But this time it was expressed right. in fashion, and I thought that was amazing because I thought, yeah, I thought I thought the message was you be you. That's what that message was, and I thought it was I thought it was wonderful. I really did. I, yeah. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. I thought Zendaya looked amazing in her like Cinderella ball outfit. I thought oh, she looked God. really good. Oh yeah, Gaga. and her pink. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my God. Now did she wear anything else besides that dress that took up the entire the entire uh pink carpet? Did she wear did you I see her in a second sure. outfit? Okay. I I that only saw pictures of it so yeah, I think uh and who was who was the one that wore the eye in the lip kind of the fashion thing with the eye over her breast? Was that um, I, I don't remember. Who, was that Alicia Keys? It was. It was uh, a gorgeous black lady. And I don't remember because Alicia you know, Keys or not. Did you I, see I that wish. picture? The exaggerated I, big black hat, pink on one side, white lips on the other side, and like a bra that had a one eye out of it, and that's all she was wearing on one side. Did you see that wow. outfit? It no, I, I, and I scrolled endlessly, but but there was so much information that I did miss some looks. But that's great because and that's just a oh Janelle Monae, kind of Janelle Monae who did that. Okay. Oh Janelle, Janelle Monae. Monae, wow. Look up Janelle Monae and look at her outfit, and you will be shocked at how cool it is. Wow, it's, it's just amazingly I thought, cool. I thought Giselle looked very very classy and almost like not almost like not entirely going alone. But that's her version of cat. That's fine. That's fine. Right. Well, I thought some, it was very... I mean, uh, a lot of guys were in tuxedos and everything, and uh, Gates yeah. went a little crazy saying, 
this is why people of color mock us white people. <laughs> and they're pointing out to, I think, is like that Sean Mendoz singer and a couple other people that were very uh, homogenized, dressed in tuxedos. So it's pretty funny. They, they Twitter can be pretty ruthless. But yeah, everyone has their own style, yeah. what, what, what your style is. So that's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's all good. It's, whatever it is, you express yourself anyway. Go as big bird as you want, if you want. But express yourself whatever way you choose. I thought I thought it was amazing. Amazing, amazing. There you go. So what else is going on, my dear? Let, let's stop torturing the straight guys. <laughs> we'll, we'll stop torturing them. Uh, give us a call if you have any questions. Anything, but let's see what we have. Um, oh, my God. Oh, weird. Uh, this is some pop culture weird for a second. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know if you saw this, but former Baywatch actress Pam Anderson yes. was one of the very first people to meet with Julian Assange in his prison. Uh, she yes, went she over was. there to London, uh, saw him in prison. She's just going on. He's a good man. He's an incredible person. I love him. I can't imagine what he's been going through. It's making the rumor mill go crazy that they have something going on. But uh, I thought that was very weird for Pam Anderson to go visit Julian Assange in prison in London. It was an odd pilgrimage. Definitely an odd pilgrimage. I do have one question. Was she in her Baywatch outfit at the time of the visit? That would be interesting. See what kind of visit that was. That would be funny. That would be funny. It would be funny, and I, I think that I, I think that it, you know it definitely would have it would have gotten just that much more attention. I think. No, I'm exactly. wondering. I'm joking, of course, and I don't mean to make light. I'm not sure. I, listen, Julian Assange and uh, uh, the gentleman uh, Snowden and a series of, of 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 persons that have been accused of treason and then have been accused of a series of, of, of acts um, because they reveal information that is, you know, we had this conversation the other day, you and I, where I right. said, you know, that we're not, we're not meant to know all information as a general public, you know, the FBI, in order to protect us, they have to, they have to keep some information to themselves. Um, and I, and I respect that. I don't know where I stand on persons who have revealed information that is supposed to be classified and whether or not that should be considered treasonous. Um, it's, yeah, um, I think I'm a kind of on the side of if, if it endangers people, definitely. Obviously, of course, I think but, that's but, bad. But the other side, right, but the other side of the fence with that is, or the other the other argument is, the freedom of, freedom of information, freedom of speech, freedom, you know, uh, should, should we not, I mean, because if you give the government the opportunity to decide too much what's classified and what we shouldn't know about, then they're just keeping information that maybe we should know about. You know what I mean? That right. would help us to then make better decisions when we vote. As long as it doesn't, doesn't do like information where troops are or things that could get yeah. someone hurt, I think yeah. that's kind of fair game. I mean, where where um, where you where you would draw the line? Absolutely. Right. That's where Absolutely. I would draw the line personally. But I'm I'm not sure what Pamela Anderson's pilgrimage was about. I don't. I'm confused about whether or not she is a, a, a current president supporter at this moment. I know Kid Rock is or was, and I know she. I I have trouble keeping. I'm I'm probably a couple of of chapters behind on what's with Pamela Anderson's life. But I don't know if she's still with Kid Rock. I don't know if she advocates it. I don't know if she's been 
to the White House. I don't know if I saw those pictures or just somebody that looked like her that was with it. I'm not sure. But I, I'm, I'm curious as to what her reasons for visiting him were, because it could be considered a humanitarian act. It could be considered a political act. It could be considered a combination of both. And I haven't really been able to gather, like, a whole lot of information that makes any real sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not really sure either. I mean, it's a little strange. She went there with his lawyer. She is a cause person. I mean, she's been a huge supporter of PETA and a bunch of causes that she's kept behind. Oh, and I love her support of PETA. She's she's done a lot of important work for for PETA. I stopped going to KFC because of Pamela Anderson. And believe me, that was a sacrifice that uh, anyone listening, you need to know that should not be taken lightly under any circumstances. <laughs> My lack of, of ability to go to KFC, is, it's, it's not, not, not an easy thing to do. But when, I, when, when thanks to Pamela Anderson, quite specifically, because she's who uh, put out the information uh, about it, thanks to her information about the treatment of, of, of these animals, uh, I, I refused to I refused to patronize the, the chain anymore, which was painful for me. I mean, I'm a child of the '70s. KFC used to be a different thing. You know what I mean? It got it got very very commercialized and uh, too commercialized, and and not enough obviously not enough quality control. And we don't you know we're not uh, look. I'm not a vegetarian. I I I I I I, I would advocate. Oops, did I lose you? I see you're still on, but I can't hear you for a second, Katie. See if you accidentally hit your mute button for me. But we will, uh, you might want to call back if you can hear me. I see Katie's on the line. We'll have a little technical difficulty there. She's going to give us a call right back. Yeah, Pamela Anderson, um, looking at it. People are there's rumor control that she's with Julian Assange, and I'm looking into that right now. But we'll uh, get Katie back online and let her finish her point there. Um, give us a call. What your thoughts are? Three four seven nine eight nine zero one two six. Again, three four seven nine eight nine zero one two six. Go ahead and give us your opinion. So you were giving us your opinion, Katie. We got knocked off the air there. What happened? What were you saying? We did. We were. Where would you leave off? I was talking about uh, how I, I. I'm not a vegetarian, but I do prefer to know that the animals were treated fairly in life and in death, and were treated humanely. Right. Um. And and Pamela Anderson, to her enormous credit, is one of the reasons why I found out. You know, that KFC, this particular chain. I don't know if that's the case still, but at the time that she was putting the information out, was not doing that, and I I stopped going. You know, so I I applaud her work. I think that you know. I think that uh, beautiful women and women who are known as sex symbols, you know, this is this is what did Marilyn Monroe in, is that Marilyn Monroe was, and, and what, what created a tremendous amount of suffering for her in her life, is that Marilyn Monroe actually was, was an, an actor who studied at the actor's studio. She was uh, a young lady who came from a lot of pain. Her, her father was not there uh, for whatever reason. I, I read a biography on her, but I, I can't quite remember. what I think the father was just never there. We didn't, we didn't even know who the father was. And the mother was uh, uh, put into an insane asylum when, when, when Marilyn Monroe was, when Norma Jean Baker was four years old. And when you're dealing with that kind of abandonment and you're dealing with that kind of, uh, 
those kinds of issues as a child, it's going to be very difficult for you to make uh, good emotional choices as an adult. And so she allowed herself to be used by many men, and she left us for whatever reason. There's a lot of theories about it. Uh, very tragically, in her 30s, this was actually an intelligent woman. The, uh, right. the the kind of you know ditzy blonde persona that she had was precisely a persona, and a way. And to survive on this planet, it it did not denote her ability to uh, to to have empathy for others or her intellectual prowess or anything along those lines. So I applaud women like uh, Pamela Anderson, who you know who's a sex symbol, but who who has a, a, a very uh, definite mindset when it comes to you know, social causes. And I, I'm curious exactly. if she went to see Julian Assange, and I can't wait to get more information on it. Right. She had, that wasn't her first time. She saw she visited him in the Ecuadorian consul three or four times. Um, but I, think it's a, I don't think it's a relationship. She's been going with that um, Rami guy. He's a uh, soccer star in, in somewhere in the U.K. area. So I think she's dating him, and I think she just, this is a cause for him, for her. She met him. I think she's just sympathetic. be interesting to see. Um, I, I want to hear more, yeah. hear more stuff about it, but uh, it, it's going to go yeah. tabloidy for a while, but it'll be interesting to see what this is. She went there with his lawyer, from what I understand, and she just thinks that he has not been treated fairly and was, uh, and she's there as a friend, according to what, She's saying, so we'll see. The tablets okay. are trying to make it a, a thing. Okay, we'll see what well, happens. It was, with it, it was, yeah, at least in part a humanitarian pilgrimage, and I think that's awesome. It is. There you go. What so that's else? Our weird hear? pop culture news of the day. Oh, we um, have a little bit more pop culture news. Um, why? Why is her name slipping from my mind right now? She is the funniest woman on the planet right now. Um, Amy. Blonde. Amy Schumer, yes. Amy Schumer just gave Amy Schumer just gave birth to to her royal baby yesterday. <laughs> that is the announcement that she made, which I thought was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Too funny. She is so funny. Her and her husband Chris Fisher, they're officially parents now. Um, they uh, they had their baby same day yesterday, May fifth. So yeah, the royal baby part two, part two. Um, at 10.55 last night, she wrote, um, she had a really rough pregnancy. Did you happen to see her Netflix comedy special? Um, the, uh, the, the Netflix special about uh, her pregnancy, I have seen yeah, she several. Yeah, she did a comedy special. It was so good. Uh, but she talked about her pregnancy. She talked about a whole bunch of things in it. And uh Something that Craig and I had talked about before, she did bring up her husband. Her husband actually has uh, Asperger's system, syndrome. And he, so he does. She was, yeah. And so yeah, and she, she, was, a- she talked about that in it, and it was very, very cute and very warmly speaking of him, saying that that's actually what attracted to. They didn't know it at the time. He was never formally diagnosed. He got formally diagnosed while they were actually together after they were married. But she said the quirks of Asperger's syndrome are the things that attracted her to him. Things like he has yeah. no ability to lie, very honest, very open. And uh, so that was part of the comedy special, which was some hilarious stories from that. But also she did talk about her pregnancy, and she had 
that one syndrome that some women can get where you have severe morning sickness like all the time. And so she was sick all the freaking time for this thing. So I'm happy for her to have it out and hopefully she get back to normal because she was like throwing up every day like really bad and feeling really bad. So it's good for her to actually um, get back on. We got your phone keeps going out, so that's okay. I was just saying how sure, uh, the pro- sure the, Sorry the, about that. Sorry, an apology okay. to you and an apology to the listeners. I'm having trouble uh, keeping the that's connection. Right. I'm not sure why. Yeah, all I was saying was the good thing about having this baby now is part of what she talked about in her special was she was having severe morning sickness. Um, there's a name for it. It's a syndrome of some kind some women get where she was violently ill every single day for the last six months of this pregnancy, could barely eat anything, even the comedy special. She was joking how she, she was joking but not joking, how she'd thrown up twice before she came on stage. So she was like deathly oh, ill for this pregnancy. So it'll be, uh, I'm sure she's happier in more ways than one that the, the, the baby finally came because she was just miserable during this pregnancy. I feel bad for her. Well, I think she's, she's really, I mean, she's really cool in that she brings a lot of, I mean, she does it through comedy, but she brings a lot of awareness uh, to the human condition in general. Right. Uh, her age and women now, women and in, in you know, um, it's nice. Um, she she brings a she brings a, a a tremendous amount of awareness to women, and now she's going to bring it to. You know, we've heard of morning sickness that usually happens in the first trimester, maybe a little bit into the second trimester, but normally not up until the end of the pregnancy. And that's, uh, you know, these are these are things that you don't hear about every day. And with regard to her 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 husband, who's on uh, the spectrum, the ASD spectrum. Yeah, I mean, there uh, people with ASD. They're they're they process things differently, and right. she and she and so. But the thing is, I I've I've never met one that's capable of lying exactly like she says. She's most certainly never going to. I at least I you know God willing, but I I believe under these circumstances even more so. She's probably not going to get cheated on. Their their brains work differently, and it, they they are beautiful human beings and geniuses. I've always felt like cheating on your significant other is kind of a, the lower, you know, the lower spectrum of, of, of intellect or the lower spectrum of, of, uh, right. of sophistication, intellectual sophistication, just because, you know, you're going to create so many problems for yourself, for your significant other, for your relationship, for the other people, just in your life on every level. It's just not something that you want to do. You don't want to lie and you don't want to cheat. And people with ASD seem to understand that in a way that those of us who are, who are not diagnosed with ASD maybe don't get it quite as easily. And I say that it's because they, you know, have a higher understanding and a, and a higher intellectual prowess and, and because of their genius level, because of that, I, 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 I think it's commendable. And so for her, I think that's probably created, you know, a, a tremendous amount of trust in her, which must be difficult, you know, because she's a comedian. She's a very important woman in the entertainment industry now, and there's a lot of treacherous behavior around her. But if she has that kind of safety net of this wonderful man who just accepts her exactly as she is, it was so funny because she was on Seth Meyers. And she said that, you know, she said not only will he not lie for me, like she's trying to get out of a, you know, a, 
of course, we have something to do at that hour. We have something to do at, you know, at 6 o'clock on Sunday. So we're not going to be able to be there. He'll turn around and look at her and say, no, we don't have anything to do. You know, we don't have anything <laughs> on the schedule. So he won't right. lie for her. And at the same time, he won't lie to her. Like, she was about to go on the air with Seth Meyers. And, and you know, it's a big deal. It's late night. And, and she said, does this dress look okay? And he just looked at her and said, well, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> so she just, you know, she she has to be thankful that he's that he's honest, but at the same time, she said that sometimes that honesty is a little brutal, a little difficult to exactly. handle. But uh, yeah, but I mean, it's uh, she she I think she approaches it. I think she needs a man she can trust, and she feels that precisely the, the 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 characteristics that make him uh, on the spectrum are, are 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 helping her to to trust him more, and I I think that's great. Exactly. But she had a royal baby. They had their royal babies. I think that's fantastic. Congratulations. Well, we're yes. at the 32-minute mark, so we'll take a break. And in honor of her, we'll play Cameron Hawthorne's Mama's Love. You're listening to awesome. my soapbox. Give us a call back. We'll be back in a few minutes here. Love, mama's love. Only 
all grown up Where you can't cry for mama Even though you want to sometimes But she gave you something special You've had since you were young It'll make yourself feel better Every single time It's a hello to your neighbor It's a hand to those in need It's pulling off the road To do a good deed It'll stop all the crying It'll end all the fuss Give a mama's love, mama's love Give a mama's love guys we are back welcome back to standing on my soapbox with our special guest co-host miss katie barberry how's everything in beautiful downtown la these days is the smog the same way it's it, well the, i think the smog is what it is but we have to remember now i lived in mexico city for like 10 years so <laughs> there you, you go, know so. my, my, i worked i lived in la for 10 years as a kid i lived there, and then i lived there again as an adult i lived in mexico city i seem to i seem to gravitate towards smog-ridden areas, and I just kind of take it in stride. It does affect you. It affects you more than anything, I think. Um, well, the, the elevation in Mexico City, you know, at, at least at least L.A. is, is sea level. But the elevation right. in Mexico City, it's, oh, my God, it's crazy. It's like 7,000 feet, and you're in a bowl. You're in, Mexico City is like a bowl because it's surrounded by mountains. Okay. And, and all of those, uh, all of those, you know, all all of those, uh, all, all of those fumes are trapped in there with you. And so, I, I just remember I would get back from somewhere that was sea level because, you know, any project that you do, any telenovela project, which was what I was doing there for nine or ten years, uh, one right after the other with Televisa, um, any project that you do, you're going to be mostly. I mean, they they do have locations that are beaches almost always in these projects these Latin soap operas. So you can't eat anything, and on top of everything else, you're dealing with elevation. Because when you get back to the studio to do interior shots, you're going to be 7,000 feet in the air. Right. So wow. um, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot to deal with. So I always, when I complain about the smog in L.A., I always try to remember, at least I'm, I'm you know, at least I'm, I'm at sea <laughs> level here, and I don't have to, I don't have to adjust my breathing to the two phenomenons. I try there you to, go. You, know, you always you always have to see the bright side. <laughs> that's that's a good silver lining. I like that. Absolutely. I like the silver lining. Always. And the clear okay, days in LA are beautiful. You can see all the way across the valley everywhere, so it's beautiful. You that's sure can. You sure can. I know absolutely. You sure can. Right now we seem to have some like very very low clouds that you almost feel like you can touch. We're on the freeway. Um, so it's. I don't, LA has its has its stuff. They have their fires and they have their earthquakes and they have their smog. But you know, it's I blame Charlie Chaplin. He's the one who insisted on coming out here and and establishing this had to be the place where everybody shot. Okay, so that's where the entertainment <laughs> industry was born, and that's where it seems to be remaining. That's where you know that's where everything is handled. That's where the hub is. That's where if you want to be cast as an actor in television, 
uh, at least in the American market, you have to be in Los Angeles because that's where the castings are. That's where the casting directors are. That's where the deals are made. That's where the shows are green. That's where it all happens. So we can we can talk to Charlie Chaplin about that if we feel like there's too much smog here. It doesn't seem to be a whole lot we can do about it at this point. We might there as well just go. smile and grin and bear it. Yeah, I mean, I could see people's point when I, being from L.A., I mean, I was born and raised there for 29 years, so L.A. is very normal to me. I, it's just everything about it is normal. The different weather, the, the when when they freak out over rain, when you have the fires and the floods and the mudslides, but uh, that's all part of the game there. But then when you go away, when I moved away here for 15 years, I go back and visit, then I understand how people get upset with the traffic and the things like that. You can see a little more, but when you're in it, it's just part of what it is. When you grew up with it, that's what yeah, it is I mean, what I, it is. No, traffic is another thing for me. I mean, again, I lived in Mexico City for 10 years. The world in Mexico City. But a close second would be Los Angeles, and then they and the traffic in, in, uh, in at least At least, are you still there? I thought I lost you. Yeah, I'm here. Uh huh. We're here. Oh, okay. At least, at least, you know, in this in this part of the world, in the United States, they say the worst drivers are in Miami. I don't know. That's just what they say. And uh, and then Chicago, the traffic is horrifying at certain hours of the day. So again, I seem to graduate to where there's a lot of smog and a lot of traffic. <laughs> there you go. There you I go. I must be an actress. Right. I must be a television actress then, mustn't I? There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing so, I don't miss going back to L.A. is the traffic now bugs me. It never used to bug me before, but for some reason it does bug me now, and I just have to get used to it when I go back there for my little month-long visit. Well, I think but, as uh, we get older, we get a little bit more impatient. You know what I mean? I remember being here you as think? a teenager. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I that can't happen to me. Of I course. refuse. It's not me, it's them. Absolutely no, and and I, I I you know as as much as I as much as I I believe in in positivity and I you know still it's harder. I mean I remember being a child actor here in L.A. and I, a child and then a teen actress and my mother just would freak out at the traffic. I'm like, mom, it's like totally okay because I was you know I had to be a valley right. girl. It was the 80s and I lived in the valley. So everything <laughs> was like either you know tubular or just gag me with a spoon and i thought her attitude about traffic was just way over the top i i understand a little more now she was uh yeah, she was my age at that time so it's funny what it, one I of the it. jobs I, it took me depending when i left for work if i left for work between 6 and six thirty, i would be work at work in about 55 minutes if i left between 6.30 and 7.30, I'd be there at like 9 o'clock, 9.30 in the morning. That is correct. Because the traffic is so bad. So, but, once I you, but I never complained because I knew that. So I'd leave earlier. I learned it, and it was yep. not that big a deal. But uh, yep. but now going back, I don't have, City, like you said, right, I don't have that right. patience. It's In Mexico City, I lived in uh, outside. You know, Mexico City is just the capital, right? It's, it's, it's like Washington, D.C. in that it's surrounded by states. You know, immediate. It's just a city, and it's the capital, and it's it's its own. Uh, you know, it's its own federal district, but it's not right outside. Like you, you don't see the difference between when you get out of Mexico City and you get into Mexico State. 
um, you know, Estado de México. You you can't see the difference. There's no there's no in between. There's no you know there's no there's no uh, highway that leads you to it. It's just simply it's it's the same city, but you're in gotcha. Mexico State. And it's exactly if you if there was no traffic, you could be to the studio from Mexico State in 20 minutes. So I would leave. I learned to leave at they don't start shooting in Televisa until eight o'clock in the morning. Just as a rule, they don't on in studio. So you or, or put you into makeup before it would be very rare that they put you into makeup before 8 a.m. If I left any time after 6.15, I wasn't going to be there until 10 o'clock in the morning. But if I left at 6.15, I was there at 6.45. 6.35, 6.45 is the latest. So I learned to show up in my PJs. I had my locker there. I had everything I needed, and I would shower at the studio. There you go. And then usually, you know, maybe take a nap before the makeup people showed up or go and get breakfast. The great thing about Televisa is that they, it, you could literally live there. There was a gym there. There was a commissary. There was a place to sleep. There was always – it was great. So I would do nice. that because, yeah, because of the traffic. It's just if – you, if you learn to work with the traffic instead of against it, it doesn't have any real reason to affect you, you know. And I'm right. talking about Mexico City where it was just absolutely crazy. So you just work well, with the little part of where. Life. A little part of where my love for entertainment came from was those long commutes because I would rather, I was young. I was 18, 19, 21 years old, so I didn't have much to do. So I would go there. I would leave early in the morning to get there on time. But the same thing would happen on the way back. If I left right after work, it would take me two to two and a half hours to get home. If I waited an hour and a half, it would take me 45, 50 minutes to get home. So I would yeah. go, being in L.A., working in L.A., I would go watch all of the sitcoms be filmed. So I'd go watch. Designing Woman oh, and Who's what? the Boss, and I would go see Did all you? these sitcoms being filmed all over L.A., and that's one of the reasons my love of uh, entertainment came in. I was never oh, part of the wow. actor's part, so ever, so watched, but I would love to go so see watched, the behind the scenes of it. So it was fun. Of course. Of course. So the, taping, the tapings are a lot of fun to watch. I can't believe I never sat in a friend's audience. That just makes me enraged now that I'm such a huge fan. I was in Mexico shooting when they started Friends. And by the time I got really involved in Friends and, you know, learned about it and whatever, because in Mexico the information wasn't necessarily there. But when I, when right. I got, you know, it, it's, it's more, you know, in Mexico and, and in South America, it's the local programming, the programming, the Spanish-speaking programming that predominates amongst, you know, amongst, amongst the citizens in general, amongst the people in general. Now, with, the, with you know, with, uh, with, with, uh, with the millennials and what have you, there are a lot of people with cable and a lot more, um, a lot more um, information, international uh, uh, programming and, and production is, is there and people know about Netflix and they know about HBO and Shutter, but it, it didn't used to be like that. You know, Televisa was kind of a monopoly. You know, I don't say that as a bad right. thing. It just, it simply is what everybody watched. And I was there kind of on the cusp of that changing a little bit when Televisa actually developed their own cable company called Sky. And you could get several different, you know, channels from the United States, like HBO, or you could get, you know. But predominantly, it's the Spanish-speaking um, uh, production that predominates in those countries, obviously, and amongst 
the, the, the Latin population here in the United States, and that's why Telemundo and Univision are so huge in this country compared to ratings, you know, of the networks that have always been here, ABC, NBC, CBS. They're competing on the same level at this point, and I've been lucky enough to be a part of quite a few of those productions, so that's why, you know, uh, Craig's having a lot of fun in this part of the country, in, in California and Nevada and whatever, with the amount of times that I'm getting recognized. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I feel like Hook <laughs> Shields. Because there's a nice. there's a, a huge yeah you know, there's a huge uh, Latino population all over the United States, but in this part of the country, uh, you know it 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 it, it you see it a lot. All right. No, I I'm, I'm I go to as I I watch um, them film Designing Women a lot because that was one of my favorite shows at the time. Wow. So I would go to that. And it's uh, saw, Warner Brothers lot where Ellen. And you now. saw Alyssa filming. Uh, uh, who's the boss? I did. I saw her filming Who's the Boss. Um, believe it or not, one of the harder to get tickets, because people might not know, in L.A. they give free tickets away to audiences to watch these shows, right? So you can go there for they free. Do. They, there's, people standing, there's people standing at Universal Studios with a clipboard, and you can go and see your favorite show shoot, not just Universal Studios, all over the city. But all over the city, I'm right. Thinking, uh, you know, you can go and see your favorite show shoot, Uh uh, three camera was a lot more predominant in the eighties than it is now, but it still exists. Right. And still a lot of shows shoot with, with three camera and, uh, and, and, and you can go and see them shoot for free. They need their audience members. So that's always been a really cool courtesy thing that, that, but I, I like I say, I cannot believe I never saw the friends cast shoot. I would have, I, yeah, I never got to I see friends everything. either. I never got to see. I think friends was there when I was there. I'm trying to remember the years friends were, I think I was in LA that time, but I never got to see friends that so I saw designing women a lot. I saw a lot of, uh, believe it or not, one of the hit shows at the time was Webster, which was hard to get a ticket for. And I never wanted to see it. Uh, Emmanuel but, Lewis. Uh, Emmanuel yeah, Lewis was, was big huge. back then. Webster was huge. It was not my big thing, but different it, it strokes. played at the right time for me to drive to. Yeah. Oh, okay. Different strokes. Different strokes? Yep. Yeah. I shot, I, I, I watched, I watched Alyssa shoot. Who's a boss quite a few times. And I watched uh, Bobby Jacoby, who I've spoken to you about on the show. He had just lost his mom the day before. His mom was having some uh, some health issues. Uh, she, right. uh, oh, my lost the character. Oh, there you are. Hello? Oh, hello, hello. Oh, yeah, I thought we lost uh, you. It was Adam Carl who had lost his mom, not Bobby. Uh, but Bobby okay. played... Bobby played a kid on different strokes who was trying to get, who was trying to get Gary, Gary Coleman's character to drink. He was, he was oh, like okay. a bad influence on, on, and then eventually it's found out that he, I guess he, I, I think of it, it was one of those, remember those very special episodes of sitcoms right. on a very special yeah. different strokes. And they started kind of imparting wisdom. So they would try to do it through comedy and whatever, but they were, you know, so I guess it was found out that the kid was either neglected or that his father was an alcoholic or whatever. And so they tried, they kind of start to set him straight and set him on a path of, of redemption by the end of the show. But anyway, that was Bobby Jacoby. And so we were, we were doing a, I think we had just finished doing a play together at the time. So I went to see him shoot. It was a lot of fun always to, to hang out. My best shoot story. My best shoot story. My mom, it's not me. It wasn't me. My mom was doing a small role on um, a show called, oh, my God. It was, it was with Wendy Jo Sperber. 
Look it up if you can real quick. Wendy Jo Sperber. And it was three. It was three. Oh, was that the one young... with the two guys? No, it was three heavy set young ladies. And I don't know if the show would fly now in this climate. I would completely understand if it didn't. But at the time it went, and I can't remember what the name of the show was. Just look it up. I remember her and... from Bosom Buddies, but let me look up and see what I can find here. Yeah, she was. It was, uh... was post Bosom Buddies. It was very, I believe it was very, very early 90s or late 80s, and Dolly Parton was on that set. Babes? Was it Babes? Babes! It was Babes. It was Babes. Okay. And I think it was Wendy Jo Sperber and two other actresses, and I can't remember remember who they were, but I remember Wendy Jo Sperber was on the show. And Dolly Parton was on... Leslie Boone and Susan Perez. There you go. And Dolly Parton was on that set. And I was, am to this day, a massive Dolly Parton fan. She can do no wrong in my mind. I wanted to be her when I was a kid. I would walk around with the blonde, you know, the platinum blonde curly wig and do whatever I needed to do anatomically to feel like her. And I would stand on my, I'd stand on my little soapbox, which was actually an apple box, and sing all of it. I was obsessed with Olivia Newton-John and Dolly Parton. And she was on the set. And when I was six years old, I was at the Cracker Barrel, the very first Cracker Barrel that was ever, uh, the one that, the founding Cracker Barrel in Nashville, Tennessee, where my mom was working at the time. And there was a Dolly Parton doll next to the register. And I said, I have to have this doll. And she said, yes, you do. And she gave it to me. So my mother called me. She said, honey, my mom was just there to do a bit part on, on Babes. And she said, Dolly Parton is on the set. And this was down at Sunset Gower, and Mackenzie Aston was shooting Facts of Life. So okay. I called Mac, and I had him get me a pass, ruthlessly. I said, get me a pass onto the lot. Fine. Because I didn't have anything to be doing there that day. So he said, get me a pass. I said, get me a pass. He got me a pass. I showed up with my doll on a quest to get Dolly Parton to sign my doll. And I was not a young actress at that moment. I was not any of those. <laughs> I was a fan from fandom. Fandom fanditity. I did not. I was just, it was all about her and getting her to sign that doll. But I was able to go, you know, I knew the people who were there. I had worked on a lot of those shows. I had friends who worked on the show. So they let me right through under the soundstage. No questions asked. My mom was there. She was shooting. And I walked right up to her. And she was everything that I needed her to be. I said, Miss Parton. And I just, I couldn't even breathe. She said, oh, cute. I said, oh, my God, she just called me cute. And I said, would you mind? She said, well, no, honey, of course I wouldn't mind. And she signed my doll, and it is still to this day, it's my prized possession. Oh, my goodness. That would be great. Yeah. That's a great yeah. story. It was my best B- BTS story from when I was a teenager. It wasn't even about me. It was about meeting Dolly. Oh, I love that, though. That is fantastic. Yeah. I, have, yeah. I have a very good friend, actually, a very good friend's friend, is uh, in the Dolly Parton Coat of Many Colors television shows. And so she's met Dolly quite a few times and says she's everything you want her to be, just like that. She is everything so you want her to be. Fun. At least that was my experience. And she, so she's, she's a crew member on the Coat of Many Colors shows that she does? She was a, she's an actress. She's an actress and a singer. Oh, she's she an actress. A, a co-star on it. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
okay. And so she's been she's been on several of her projects or all of them, the Coat of Many Colors series. So all of the ones with the Coat of Many Colors, the movies they've been doing lately yeah. on TV that Dolly yeah. Parton's been doing, she's been involved in yeah. all of those. So, yeah. Dolly, Dolly Parton is single-handedly bringing back the, the TV movie genre. Because that's yeah. those were TV movies at the time in the 80s, in the 70s, 80s, 90s. We all, as actors, went out on and shot uh, TV movies. I actually, the, the pilot that I did for Michael Landon for his last show right before he was diagnosed with cancer, that was a TV movie. It was a TV movie. Wow. So it was, it was run as a TV. Yeah, it was a big part of our industry. You know that they, you know, they now have so much programming on Netflix and Hulu and all that. That's how it's been compensated. Right. But we really lost a lot as actors when we lost the benefit of being able to do TV movies. That was a part of life and also, you know, our careers and also the daytime soap opera genre that has been, right. you know, so much of the production has been depleted on that. That was rough. Right. So. Well, and then you say your other one is Olivia Newton-John. It turns out that my, uh, one of my Major really good obsession. friends, her, uh, her, his, one of my really good friends, his husband is her publicity manager, and they actually live in Vegas, and I'm actually playing a interview from Olivia Newton-John on tomorrow's show um, from my friend, my friend did with her the other day, because um, they see each other all the time, and uh, I've wanted her on the show forever, but I've been too afraid to ask. He's had her on his show a couple of times. But uh, her his husband um, is her publicist, so they they are together working on all these projects, and it's uh, they're really good friends with her, and I'm jealous hell. I got to tell you, because she's another one that's oh, everything you want her to be. Oh my God, you have just gotten yourself into such a big problem with me. Now I am <laughs> going to be relentless. Now I am going to be exhausted. I am so sorry. She's on my bucket list. Cher was on my bucket list, got to meet her. Dolly Parton on my bucket list, got to meet her. Have not met Olivia Newton-John. I need I'll to see if for some reason we can all meet up in Vegas. When I go on my big road trip, I will introduce you to my friend and his husband, and we will make that happen. We will get. We will find a way to get a Olivia Newton-John connection there. You when are we get, in so when much I get to trouble. Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> no, that will be that will be absolutely wonderful. That will be worth all of it to be able to meet and hug that lady and tell her how truly wonderful she is. And what a, she, you know, she's, she's a person that has never had a scandal in this industry. Right. No, Nobody right. has ever had a problem with Olivia. Who is it? No, I mean, I think the worst thing they ever said about Olivia is when she was dating that younger guy, the Matt Latanzi, but she was pure in love and they were together a long time. But that was a scandal. She, she was just rumored. He is the father of her daughter, rumor. Chloe. No, exactly. and I mean, that's not, but I'm saying someone saying she's a difficult person or she's any of those things. People have clamored no, to work with this woman because of how wonderful she is. And right. I just, from the time I was a child, I was on the red carpet. I didn't have the guts to walk up to her. I was on the red carpet at the Oscars with Keith Coogan, and Nicholson was in front of me. De Niro, everybody. It was all about Olivia Newton-John. I almost oh, I would have bloomed past. I would have blown past him to go there. I don't blame you. You know, she's yeah, also a really enough. good friend of an, another friend of mine. She was in my buddy Del Shore's movie, uh, Sorted Lives, and so they're very good friends. He went up and visited her ranch uh, a couple months wow. ago. 
Yeah, yeah um, I know a lot of people that know her actually, and she's everything you want her to be. Oh, well, that's that's wonderful to hear. I actually, I purchased something I remember from her Koala Blue. I believe it was her Koala Blue line. I don't know if she's still doing that. But I, I, yeah, I'm her, I'm her biggest fan. She's just, I don't know that, I'm sure anyone else that hears me that is a huge fan. No, I'm her biggest fan, and we get into a huge <laughs> right. argument about it. But I have been, uh, I, 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 I have been in awe of that lady uh, ever since I was a child. I mean, please, just the, the embodiment of beauty and grace. Well, Katie Barbaria, we're having too much fun. It's 5 o'clock straight up. We have another show starting in 30 seconds here. I know. Thanks for, thanks for standing so on my flattered. soapbox with me. Tell your, I, tell your man so that welcome, we missed him, dear. and we will talk to him tomorrow, okay? Tomorrow. Mañana. Absolutely. All righty. Have a great day, All Katie right, Barbaria. Tune in tomorrow, everyone, 1 o'clock Pacific, love, love, 5 o'clock Eastern time. Bye-bye. Craig, oh, wait. Say it. Peace. <laughs> There you go. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye-bye. I have Coke, Diet Coke, Sprite, Cranberry Juice. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Lefty Straight Show. My name is Scott Fullerton. I'll be your host for the next couple hours. We are live in our very last week in Indulge Resort in Palm Springs. It is Monday, August 27th. Welcome, guests and friends. How are we doing today? Woo-hoo! Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're not, we're not on video, so you can't see me get it drunk. You do not see Michael in his huge bottle of vodka that's taller than his right arm. That's okay. We're good. We're having fun here in Palm Springs. Oh Got to do a lot of big shout-outs before we get started, everyone. A big thanks to the owners of Indulge Resort, John, Sandy, and Manager Raymond. The so good here. How do you guys like your rooms? Everything good? Oh, they're great. They're great. This is an amazing resort. There's right? a big picture of a naked man with a giant penis in my bedroom. I know. Everyone's got giant penises. I got feet. But I have a butt. I don't know what happened. I have a butt. I would prefer no, to come to my room later. There's a giant penis there. But anyway, guys, so <laughs> here at the Indulge Resort. It's been amazing. I think they're going to invite us back next year in June for the month of June. So look forward to that. It'll be a lot of fun. And we'll hot. A wonderful time. And it won't be quite as hot out here. I want to give a big shout out to our great sponsors while we've been here. True FM Media back in Columbus, Ohio. Helped us get our happy butts out here. Of course, when I go back to Ohio in just a couple of short weeks, we're going to be doing the show live every Monday and Tuesday from True FM Studios in Columbus. So that's going to be exciting. Look for us coming there. Of course, our buddy Tony Guadagnino back in New York City. Hey, does all hey, my hey, 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 hey. Of all of us. 
Uh, if you need any help with your social media, go to TonyGuad.com, www.tonyguad.com. Big thank you to Escape Rooms, Palm Springs, for sponsors. We're all going to go do an escape room right after the show today, guys. We're going to go <laughs> to Merlin's Magic Room. It'll be our third type try, and we've lost every time because yeah. evidently I suck at puzzles. <laughs> What was the second one you did then? Um, the second one, we did the Titanic last week. Was that good? It was a lot of fun. Okay. And then Vampire's Lair. We were so close to the Vampire's Lair. We can't give away why, but someone didn't shine the light right. I won't say it. Wasn't me. Okay. And a big shout out to CBD Canada LA. Someone put together our gift bags, everything. The Overworks, Sebastian Rice, and his skincare line. Of course, our restaurants have been so good to us while we're out here, providing lunch for us every day. We had 849 salads in a jar, just tapas. Today we have the fantastic Pinocchios, Lulu's, Ruby's Diner, Thai Smile, and Sherman's Deli have been feeding us well the past four weeks. Oh, yeah. 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 What do we have today, guys? We're having a little curry chicken salad. We're having a breakfast burrito, a Cajun chicken burrito, a club sandwich. Potato salads, fruit, macaroni salad, all sorts of good stuff. I just got back, of course, from the big five-day excursion to Vegas. I have to big, give a big shout-out to my friends in Vegas that uh, put us up and trained us really well. We barely spent a dime there on anything uh, except for gambling, and we got lucky that. We brought, of all of our money we brought, and we did a lot of gambling, we came back only down $300. That includes food, tips, everything. It was really nice. But a big shout-out to the Excalibur Hotel, Randy Sobacek and his husband Michael for hooking us up at Legends of Concert and at uh, Chippendales. If you haven't seen social media, you got to see my mom surrounded by the gorgeous boys there. They all came and danced all around us and brought us on stage. It was a lot of fun. And Chippendales is very gay-friendly now. Um, I don't know. It wasn't quite as friendly before, I guess. I mean, they didn't let anybody in. But because of my buddy Randy's, Randy's husband, Michael, who's a publicist for the show, they become very gay-friendly. They have one part of the show where they bring any gays in the audience up and kind of let the guys laugh at them and everything. It's kind of fun. And the girls go crazy. We, and it <laughs> we actually sat in the back so we could watch the crowd because you have all the screaming girls and their bachelorette parties and everything else. It was hilarious. And the boys are very, very good. I bet your mom gave them a run for their money. My mom enjoyed it. My yeah. mom went, she I, still I made, made a joke. She said, should I get some one? She had a big dog out. Should I get some one? And Randy's like, no, you don't tip here. <laughs> but she was already getting $50 bill and wanted to go crazy. So she had a good old time. Any old mother still has a little bit of game left after being a three-year widow here. Uh, big thanks to Chef Robert Irvine, his amazing restaurant in Tropicana. Uh, community Kitchen, uh, Cirque du Soleil, we saw Love, The Beatles Show, it was amazing. Of course, like I said, Legend Contra Chippendale. Perez Hilton was a guest on the show right before we went out. He was very kind to us. He's hosting Chippendales for this month. He was very kind to us. So thanks to everybody back there. That's all of our sponsors made was possible. I'll be hitting you guys up next June, so get ready, everybody. Hey, uh, that's the show, everybody. <laughs> If you missed any of our shows, please go get them at the website, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash left and straight, 
or hopefully you're subscribed to iTunes, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, all those fun places. You can find the show all over the place. Have an amazing lineup of guests today. We're going to get to in just a second. Tomorrow, our very last show, we're having great character actor Jasper Cole, having Billy Clips, this amazing director, writer, producer, David Milburn, a fantastic actor and producer, will be here when we talk about The Long Road to Freedom. That premiered at Outfest just a few short weeks ago. So we have a great final show for you, and food will be brought to us by Lulu's tomorrow. Next weekend is Labor Day, of course, and I'll be traveling home from Ohio, so we're going to have a Palm Springs Marathon repeat next week. There'll be no live shows from Sunday through Sunday. I'm going to replay all eight of the shows here from Palm Springs. So you'll just look for it on the radio or on iTunes uh, every Monday, Sunday through Sunday of the following week from the Labor Day of Sunday to the following Sunday. We'll be back live again on September 10th with some great guests coming. I think we have... Um, Jake Biondi from Boys Town. I think we have a comedian, Ant, Anthony, um, will be on. Have a great show coming back on the 10th. Uh, let's see. Also, I want to give a big shout-out to my interns that were producing the show back in Ohio, uh, Christina Rezik and Sam Corrigan. Christina, bring yourself on the air here. Uh, we lost Sam Hello. last week because he went back to school at uh, Ohio State University, so he's back and we're going to lose Christina next week. She has a brand new project. She created her own film that's been accepted in a Beverly Hills Film Fest competition. And she's going to be getting ready for that. Tell the listeners all about it, Christina. Hi. Uh, thank you. Yeah, so I currently, it's just right now a script. So it won, it became one of the finalists in the Ladies Filmmaker Festival. So at the end of September, hopefully I will actually be in California. So uh, too bad that it didn't line up. Uh, that would have been awesome to be in Palm Springs with you, but <laughs> we'll have to try some other time. That would have been fun. Well, a finalist, <laughs> Beverly Hills Women's in Film Festival, Women's Film Creators, congratulations. All right. Here for Christina, everybody. Yeah, yeah Christina. Yeah. Ah, thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> all right. Well, here we go, guys. Uh, this thanks to all my guests. Vacations here, indulgent listeners. i got a great show for you today. We have with us Ronnie Kroll, of course, you know him, he's from Chicago, made a name for himself as Make Me a Supermodel, became second place at a fan favorite, and launched his modeling career with all sorts of great uh, modeling games everywhere from New York to L.A., the cover of Playgirl Magazine, we'll talk about that oh. in a second. He's a co-founder of an amazing social group for change <laughs> called Friend Movement, that they're getting ready to retool that a bit, we'll find all about that and is now pursuing his love of politics. So we'll find out what that's all about in just a few minutes. Next to him, kind of sort of, we have Michael Vaccaro, great friend of the show, New York actor and producer, transplanted here to L.A., best known for his hit web series, Child of the 70s, who has a guest star roster that any filmmaker or television producer would dream of. His new series, Bronx SIU, will be coming on very shortly. Oh, he's playing now, I believe. We're going to find out all about that. And in the works, and he has so many other things going on, so we talked to him in just a couple seconds. Next to him, Scott Travis is an entrepreneur and producer whose company, CBT Candle LA, has grown to incorporate celebrity brand, candles, and fragrances to help him create your own private label brands. He's also recently become a producer, doing some great content with some of our friends here and with some great shows he has coming in the future. We're going to hear all about that. 
And then, guys, I'm so excited. I got to meet as one of my fellow guests here at the resort, Theo Robinson, Theodore D. Robinson, a portrait artist, just um, slaying it with his portraits there. He's staying here to indulge with me. He spent half his time here, half in France. The amazing portraits uh, go from sketch to paint to photography. Had to have him on the show, so we got a great lineup. Welcome, everybody. All right. Friends Robert and Brandon listening in for us. We might be asking you questions. I don't know what to do. We might find out what's happening. Brandon saying no, thank you. I'm on my phone. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. It's a simple, fun time here in Palm Springs. We'll ask a little bit some direct questions to each. Then we'll kind of open it up and talk about things in general. I want to hear about your thoughts of Palm Springs since you all live here or come here or local and know a lot more about it than I am, and we'll talk about all sorts of fun things. Let's go ahead and start with our good buddy here, Ronnie Kroll. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's good to be back. It's so exciting to meet you for the first time. Isn't it Are fun? It's so wild to have such a cyber relationship it for so many great. years. It is great. I mean, it's cyber in a good way, Brandon. It's a very good, yes, nice very, very. Cyber. <laughs> it's a very fun cyber relationship. Ronnie's been on the show many times. With Eddie, I'm so missing. Yeah. Because with Eddie, Ronnie had a t-shirt almost more today because it wasn't too good. He sends his love, and let me tell you something about that man, my best friend in the world. He actually knows that my boyfriend and I haven't had a lot of chance to spend time together because we're always working. So he's actually like, do you guys want to go and do this together? There's going to be a room in Palm Springs. and Aww. So he gave this up for me. And he wanted me to have a good weekend and, and a relaxing weekend. So, so. Are you going to start crying outside? You guys have such a special friendship. It's amazing. Ten years. Ten years now. It's crazy. Fantastic. Yeah. It's great. And you guys are getting ready to relaunch or rebrand your friend movement? Talk We're refueling it a bit because, you know, we've had a great run so far. Um, but like anything in, like, the cause-based kind of world, it's it's difficult. You have to raise a lot of money, and it takes a lot to get projects going. But you know, from everything from the new F word, giving Bowling the Bird campaign, to walking across the country, you know, from Chicago to New York, to just hosting magnificent events to bring community together. You know, when we set off on the journey now six years ago to start the organization, we really were just a group of friends that wanted to figure out, well, how do we stop bullying, or at least how do we heal some of the effects? But we decided that instead of being anti-bully, we were going to be pro-friendship. And we thought we were going to go out there and teach the country and the world how to be a better friend. But what we've learned over the last six years, we've learned a lot. Uh, but the most important thing that we need to be doing for ourselves, especially in today's political climate, is to be our own best friends first. So we're going to be retooling and relaunching and finding ways to continue to bring community together, but all around uh, self-care and investing in oneself and whatever healing you have to kind of do on the inside. Um, you know, that'll hopefully leave a, a positive impact on the community because hurt people hurt people. And when you're upset with yourself or you don't like yourself, you're more likely to hurt other people. So we're just going to be encouraging and enabling people through events and products and services. That's amazing. Yeah. You have done such great work in the past. I mean, you, you feed the homeless or give them care packages. Yeah. In L.A. area, Echo Park or Echo yeah. Park. And you actually give a car to someone who was in need who has been a great help to the community. I mean, you guys have done some fantastic things. Um, it's got to be exciting to see the results of that and now kind of try to find a way to make it 
you need to keep current. Well, you're keeping current, and you're always kind of learning and navigating. And, you know, being an entrepreneur, I'm sure you have a lot of listeners that are, you know, going at it after their own business, yourself with your candle company. It's like it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And a lot of it is trial and error. And entrepreneurs are willing to go the distance and oftentimes live a very destitute kind of life, you know, for the greater payoff because you have to – you have to, you have to, you know, give it your all and get everything. And 51C3s now are fighting for every dime out there because it's becoming a smaller and smaller funnel as everyone gets yeah. supposedly richer and richer with tax cuts. And we'll go too far into politics today. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's hard to find money out there because things are going like yeah. that. You can only do so long without you kind of try to find a way to retool and make it work. But for us, it's just about bringing community together and trying to break down walls because we have so much more in common than we do different, yet we're so focused these days on how we're different, and that fear can really separate us from really enjoying one another and learning more about ourselves. So we try to find ways to challenge that. It's not easy, and it's not always sunshine, rainbows, and butterflies. It can be very difficult work. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. You forgot unicorns. Oh, yes, unicorns, too. We need unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> we talked briefly about your modeling career and everything, and that's kind of launched with the springboard to creating other projects. And I know you got a couple of new projects in the work. Talk about those a little bit. Uh, one, I can't really talk about the title just yet, but it's uh, it's going to be in the fashion and beauty world. It's going to be a, a new reality TV show, and I'm I'm a co-producer and potentially a host of it. But um, it's being optioned right now, fingers crossed. So mm-hmm. if all that moves forward. I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm also, uh, of course, retooling friend movement, and uh, you know, jumping into politics. You know, which has been one of my biggest loves, you know, my entire life. And a lot of people don't know that about me because they've only seen me as an actor or as a model. Uh, but I went to school for political science. So that's exciting. What have, uh, what was your impetus? I mean, we had such a controversial, we'll say, last election. <laughs> um, what was your impetus what? to want to join that play <laughs> and be able to, to – um, to keep your sanity back and going into it. Well, I want to get back to a time of like an Abraham Lincoln or a JFK or a Martin Luther King, the peacemakers, the ones that really I would if, if Martin Luther King had the dream of, you know, one day the the sons of former slaves and slave owners, you know, sitting down together and not judging each other on skin color, I'd like to try to figure out how do we come up with that plan and how do we get the American culture to come together as American citizens first? And there's a lot of healing that needs to be done first. If you think about any relationship that's one-on-one, you know, if there's any sort of, like, disagreement that just kind of gets glossed over, that can become really toxic to the relationship. It can eventually, like, bubble up when you least expect it and ruin the entire relationship. There's no real way, there's no solid foundation to move forward. So I'd like to see more of our leaders today be honest about where we've been in this country. You know, we took this land from Native Americans, we enslaved an entire people, and then there was separate but equal, but not really. And these are deep wounds that are still affecting us today. And just because we now have Donald Trump in office, and maybe people are giving a face to it now, but it's been there bubbling beneath the surface for a very long time. So I think we need to actually call a spade a spade and be like, this is our history. We're not perfect. 
but and there's a lot of great things about the country and we can move towards greatness together but only if we listen to each other and we're not doing listening right now we're just talking to talk and there's these big egos on both sides of the, the aisle that are complicating matters and they're teaching us how to hate one another you know from our politicians to watching your main corporate media between CNN and Fox and, you know, they're feeding us, they're spoon-feeding us what they know we want to hear and what riles us up and what makes us feel good. But at the end of the day, then we're hyped up on steroids 24-7 going out into the community, and we're more likely to get into fights with each other, be afraid of each other, and we're so much better than that. So I, I think I have an, a background, a unique one, from acting to modeling and living in Chicago and New York and my, my time in politics. I have a unique approach. And I have a really great group of friends that I think are so talented. And if given the chance to get involved with politics, if I could put them in places where they could, you know, go to work, I think we could really do something together. That's amazing. Now, talking about how how few money there is for 501c3s, there's jillions of dollars for politics, but it's getting to it and getting a how is that the money game? Because that's part of the problem with politics now, right? That is. I mean, until we can really take money out of politics and really put it on merit, like, we need, we need to be able to level the playing field. We need to have politicians be able to get up there and win on merit and platform and instead of just being able to get, like, Donald Trump got $5 billion in free press this past election. You know, that's crazy to me. Right. <laughs> crazy. Uh, but yeah, it's all it is a lot about raising money. But for me, it's going to be organic. You know, I think Bernie Sanders has been really good at raising money across large groups of people and smaller denominations. I think that's really we need to remember that the people are sovereign. A lot of times we get so fearful of government and we give so much of our power away to one man or one office or the Congress. Congress has a 10% approval rating right now, which is just abysmal. But we have to realize that we, the people, are always the ones really in charge. And if we band together and listen to one another, that there's room for progress. There's room for growth. So, Very much so. I want to have the conversations that no one's willing to have. I want to be a politician that actually will speak the truth. And however far that kind of gets me and whatever, whoever that resonates with, you know. Well, good on you. We need a positive voice in politics. We'll find out how we can help you with that at the end here. The last thing I want to ask you about is you've had this, such an amazing, diverse career. You're actually writing an autobiography, which I love the title of. Talk about that, and uh, we'll finish on that note. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love to write. I'm an artist at heart, so any vehicle that I can find to, to express and get out there. But um, this book has been – I've been procrastinating and avoiding and afraid of it because so much of – writing is vulnerability it's about exposing yourself it's about exposing your soul and, and in a different way than your body right like modeling and stuff like that is one thing but when you're going into a more emotional space uh it's scary but it's called behind the smile and uh throughout my career i've been kind of known for being a smiley kind of guy my smile has been my signature and Oftentimes, behind that smile, things aren't always so happy. You know, there are a lot of things in life as we're going towards our goals that are obstacles and can, can bring us down. And um, I've had to overcome a lot of those obstacles in the forms of struggle and certain individuals that have presented themselves or situations that took me off guard that I wasn't prepared for. And 
Um, I want to th- I want this to be more than just an autobiography, like where people get to know more about me. But I want there to be little bits of wisdom in each chapter that someone who could just flip open any chapter will, you know, be able to take something that I've learned and put it to use, you know, in their life to kind of help them out too. That is awesome. Yeah. Congratulations on all of that. Thank you. All right, guys, we're having an amazing show today. We're talking to Ronnie Kroll. In just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Michael Bacaro. we got to let him fill up his vodka here. So, Christina, get ready for to play Michael Bacaro's own Child of the 70s song in a second. We have Scott Travis from CBT Candle, and we have Dia Robinson, artist extraordinaire. So you'll see Left the Straight Show right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Tell me what would you say If I flash a piece on your way Tell me how would you react If I wore bell-bottom flags Do you remember a time When hair was a crime And most things only cost like a dime And it seemed that we were dancing a Guys, we're talking today with Theo Robinson, Ronnie Kroll, 
Scott Travis, and Michael Vaccaro. Michael, welcome to the show. How are we doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm drunk. You have tried the hardest to get here. Poor Michael is a working actor in L.A. Every time we turn around, he has a reschedule. He has another schedule coming on. So finally, four weeks later, we have you in Palm Springs. My last chance. I'm excited. I walked here. Excited. I was dead. <laughs> 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 he wanted a free hotel room for the night. He's got some tricks. He walked in my car. He walked in my car. Hey, we had to go again to the fifth season of Child and Seven. Everyone knows the fifth season of anything is hard, but a fifth season of a web series that you put blood, sweat, and tears in as Carlo Perdente. Talk about the show and welcome to season five. Thanks very much. It's our fifth and final season because I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> I just want it to be over. No, that's a joke. Um, I love it, but I'm, 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 I'm sad to see it go, but I'm also happy to, to sort of move on to other things. So, yeah, we have this show. It's called Child of the 70s. It is about – we are finished production on the fifth and final season. Uh, it's being edited right now as we speak. As I sit here, it's being edited, and, uh, and hopefully we will premiere in the fall. Nice. And yeah. Talk about the origin of it and the main characters and what it's so basically yeah, about. The, it's a sitcom. It's, it's, it's called Child of the 70s, and it's sort of done in the style of a 70s sitcom. It's a, it's a little bit of an homage to my favorite show of all time, which is Rhoda, starring uh, what? Maybe Witched. Oh, no, that's, that's another one of my favorite shows, but there are no, there's no witchcraft in my show. Uh, but there are a lot of Jews in my show, like, <laughs> like Rhoda, and a lot of New Yorkers. And so I play I, – I sort of play a gay version of Rhoda. His name is Carlo Perdente, and the joke is he's an Italian from New York, and Perdente in Italian means loser. Oh, <laughs> no. I didn't know that one. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's about this. It's about this gay Italian American from from the Bronx. I happen to be in real life a gay Italian American from the Bronx, so it's not a big stretch. There's no accent at all. <laughs> and so yeah, so it's a sitcom. It's done in the style of the '70s. We have a lot of people uh, from the '70s on guest the show. We have a lot of uh, uh, tremendous guest stars. We have had uh, well, we have uh, Ted Land from The Love Boat. He's Isaac, our bartender. He's done three seasons with us now so far. He's in this final season as well. Uh, we've had uh, the lunatic Susan Olsen um, from uh, a little, little bit of a crazy train, but she's a little bit crazy we, Yes, she is, and she knows that she's a crazy train. But we can talk politics if we want to, because she's a she's a super Trump supporter. Oh, right. she's a super Trump supporter, mm-hmm. Muslim hater, and all the whole thing. It's great. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get a big, huge fight. You can talk to Jasper Cole about that tomorrow. He'll have a lot to say okay. about that, I'm sure. Um, who else is in Donna Pascal? You remember Donna Pascal? I love Donna Pascal. Pascal. What was her alien show she was in? Wasn't she in shows that had an alien? Oh, with the little girl who was a robot. Starman or something? Or? Uh, I don't remember. She's, just she's gorgeous. Yeah. She is gorgeous and she's fantastic. Village um, People? We have Randy Jones, love Randy who was the original uh, cowboy from the Village People. Uh, he's, uh, he's done two seasons now. He, uh, he, just, he just flew in from New York to, uh, to do his, his little final bit. On this season, who else do we have? There are lots of Bruce people. Lynch. Bruce Lynch is in it, of course. Comedian Bruce Lynch, a comedian uh, Judy Tenuta, who's also known. Judy, um, and we gotta talk about Ann Walker. Ann Walker, we gotta talk about Ann Walker on the planet. Yeah. Ann how Walker. did you guys meet? How did you pick her to do this series? We probably met in a bar. <laughs> uh, she surrounds herself by gay guys 24/7. We probably yeah. met in a gay bar. I don't really exactly remember, but she liked the martini or four. And uh, and she likes it. She likes it very very dry, which means that it's just you know. She's all mad that she couldn't be here because we're in a gay resort. So next year, 
when I come, I'm going to be doing some of the interviews at the LGBT Center here so I can have the females come. Yeah, they found her way down the car. That's fine. She can do that. Sneak in. I can sneak her in the back door. Yeah, sneak her in. She's leave the window down a little bit. The shows will be from midnight till 2 in the morning, and we'll just sneak people in the back door here. So Ann Walker plays plays a character named Kiki Lawrence, who is a fictional uh, television star from the 70s. And, and Carlo, my character, is her personal assistant, and uh, and that's sort of where that's sort of our jumping off point, and uh, and she plays a complete ego maniacal uh, crazy person from the seventh from the seventies, and she's uh, she's we've had on the show to talk about before. It's such yeah. a fun series. We played clips and everything. I just love that. It's so cool. But last season, I don't know how you have the fifth season because there there was a big explosion last season. You're a cliffhanger every single year. And last year was a big cliffhanger. Last year, I was dating this guy whose favorite uh, show was Melrose Place. And I had never seen an episode of Melrose Place in my life. But Excuse me? I had never seen an episode of Melrose Place. Wait, 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 wait what? What? I haven't either. Wait, Thank what? You. Wait, right. what? No, anyway, but you're a monster. You're a monster. You're now a gold gate card. Well, no, so but this dream. guy I was dating, he, made, he sat me down and made me watch, like, endless hours of it. And so there's an episode. Uh, one it. of the seasons ended with uh, with Melrose Place exploding, right? Some crazy bitch put in across the Kimberly. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, she had a brain tumor or something like that, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That was Marsha Cross. That was Marsha Cross. That was Marsha Cross, right. So anyway, so she – Yay! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it. So, so anyway, so I needed a way to end the season, and I, I, I like a cliffhanger because I like to – see, I re, it's really sort of like a cross between Rhoda and Dynasty. Uh, so I like a cliffhanger. We had an earthquake one season. That was a good one. We had a, uh, we had a, <laughs> the others were terrible. No, they're all good, but I like those. We had, uh, we had one season cliffhanger where there was a, a wedding that got uh, horribly interrupted by, uh, by Johnny, Dynasty. Uh, by uh, Johnny, um, Johnny Whittaker. I'm kidding. Um, uh, but anyway, so, so I, I, so I, I came up with this idea. I stole this idea, I should say, of, uh, so I got all the characters into a house. It was, uh, it was an Emmy Awards party. My character just it was a beautiful house too. I mean, it was a beautiful house. No Frank Pond. I don't. Oh, okay. Anybody? Frank Pond. Thank you wherever you are. Uh, he's uh, he's super rich. So he has this amazing house in West Hollywood. So yes, he let us he let us borrow his house and he let us ruin it and fuck up the floors. Um, and uh, and yeah, we had a huge explosion. So I put all the characters in. Had a huge explosion. Any of the actors fucked with me, then I just killed them off. It's easy. So, he does. He does. I'm not kidding. He does. He'll kill you off. <laughs> <laughs> He'll kill off quite a few people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Kickstarter made thousand dollars left. Two characters. <laughs> so, so yes. So hopefully in the fall, uh, when we premiere, you will be able to see who who lives and who dies. And uh, and the whole first episode of next season takes place in a hospital. So everybody. I'm I'm looking and, forward and to and it. Did you get any trouble for ruining the course? Only a little bit. Oh, i got to tell a story real quick, because when I used to live in L.A. when I was a kid, our big thing, every summer, we would get a big group of us and go Christmas caroling in Beverly Hills, and we all dress up really nice, and we go to the houses without gates, and we go we go sing um, Christmas carols, and then we go to a really nice dinner in a different restaurant in Beverly Hills every year. So one year, we found Lucille Ball's house. It was uh, our second year, it was our first year doing it, and uh, so she came out, she has a little one of those things above the porch there, the window to overlook the yard and everything. 
We're singing Lucia Ball. We're all excited, so we keep singing. It was our first year, so we didn't really know what we were doing. We forgot to buy the dripless candles. Wax all over her patio from about 10 of us with candles on there. She remembered us the next year. She wasn't real happy. She said, what kind of candles do you have this year? And when you have Lucia Ball yelling at you over your candles, you go, oh, my God. It was very funny. <laughs> I, I flash back for a second. You say ruining floors. It's like, you see the balls yelling at these kids. Wow, that's amazing. That's an awesome story. There's a fun that's story. A I love story. I I would do it the floor, if I could have adults who would take Christmas carols, I would go do it every year. Let's get back to you, Michael. You've yeah. done so many great projects in TV, guest star, and everything. Talk about you have a new one coming out that's playing right now. Uh, talk about that. Bronx SIU. SIU stands for Special Investigation Unit. <laughs> And uh, it's on. Uh, it's not a comedy, although it sounds hilarious. But it's, yeah, it's not a comedy. It's they're very serious. It takes place in the Bronx. Uh, although we, although we, we shot it here in California. I think they shot some of it in the Bronx, uh, but not me. And uh, it stars. Uh, it stars this amazing actor named uh, Brian White. Look him up. He's gorgeous. He's super sexy. Black guy. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. <laughs> black guy. Like he's a black guy. <laughs> Um, he's super sexy, and he's a great actor. He's the star of the show. And uh, I play uh, uh, Deputy Commissioner Ferguson. I work with the mayor, and I have secrets. Uh, I have things to hide. I like secrets. I'm not a good, I'm not a, I'm not a nice guy. I, uh, and neither is the mayor, actually. Both of us are kind of corrupt. We're Republicans. It's like on, it's, it's playing right now, right? What is that, like Thursday night or something right now? It's, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. Okay, so it's on. So you can, see it, you can see it right this minute. You can go to Amazon Prime and look up Bronx, it's colon, S-I-U. Bronx, S-I-U. Yeah. And you'll be a great transition or our next guest, Scotty, here in a second. You have your own cologne line you designed yes. that smells fantastic. Thank you. Everyone, well, we're going to have some gift bags for you guys. You get to sample it just a little bit. Talk about that. What made you decide to do something like that? That's fun. Well, you know, because I've always wanted to be Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> and he is. <laughs> and he is. And I am, sort of. I've had many husbands. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, yeah, I met Scott, who, does this, uh, who has this candle company, and I said, you know, I've always wanted to do a cologne. I've always had this idea for a cologne. I, I know exactly what I want to call it. I know what I want it to smell like. You know, if you're ever interested in doing something like that, you know, please let me know. And he said, yeah, let's, let's just do it. I know nothing about it, but I'll do it. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, so we figured it out. We, you know, you have to figure out all these things in colognes. Like there are top notes and there are bottom notes. There are tops and bottoms, just like just like in this room. And the middle is the universal. <laughs> the middle notes. The verse. The verse. The verse. And, uh, yeah, it's called produce. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, and, huh? Proteus was the uh, is, a, is a Greek god. Yeah. Proteus is, all, is sometimes known as Poseidon. Sometimes in mythology, he's the son of Poseidon. Um, it smells like uh, the top note is amaretto, so it smells very almondy. And uh, again, it comes in a, it comes in a spray, and it comes in a solid, and it comes in a in a roll-on, and it also and it's also a candle as well. So we have a line. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Michael McCarl, for finally making it after Palm Springs. My pleasure. Yay. Thanks for seeing a song for us. When we come back, speaking of candles and potions and fragrances, we're going to be talking to the owner of CBD Candle, Mr. Scott Travis, in just a couple of moments. You're listening to the Left of Straight Show right here on Blog Talk Radio.
Delicious Trade Show live from the Indulge Resort here in Palm Springs. I have as my special guest today Michael Vaccaro, Scott Travis, Ronnie Kroll, and Theo Robinson. I almost forgot your last name for a second. Sorry about that. Here we go. Scott Travis, owner, operator of CBT Candle. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. Doing very well. Uh, for those of you that don't know, and I'll show a picture of it later, Scott has made some amazing gift bags for all of our guests that have made it to us here. He does things like that for everybody in town, but he also has his own line of soy candles. So mm-hmm. tell him why soy candles and tell him how you started the company. Oh, God, you really want that story? Okay. Uh, well, long story. To make a long story short, too late, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, about 10 years ago, uh, my father, God rest his soul, um, made a comment about how I, I brought candles home. I made candles for my family for Christmas presents. And he said, you know, you should start your own company. These things are great. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he sat me down and he started doing a business plan for me. And I was like, whoa, okay, I guess I am going to start this. And by the time I actually I drove home from San Francisco to L.A., it was all set in my head, and I started a month later. That's amazing. Just, what made you choose soy? And what soy is better, it's better, it's better, it's better for the environment. Um, it's a cleaner burn, and it lasts longer, and it absorbs scent a lot easier. Um, and it's, uh, you know, non-toxic. So, um, Talk about how you choose scents. Scents are just, um, for me, it's just, it's just what I like, what my, nose, what my nose picks out, you know, or I'll see something in a store, and I, I'll see, like, two candles, and I'm like, huh, okay, gardena and, and chocolate. Let's try that one, and, you know, something like that. And I would just... Just make the Pringles commercial where you combine the Pringles. Yes, I like that. that. Combine oh, the Pringles. Cool. Like a pizza. Um, and so I just I, I created the sense that I like, and then over time, it's been nine years now since I started, almost ten years since I started the company. Um, it's uh, different clients or something. They said, "Can you try this? How about this? And how about this?" And I just all try and trial and error. My two favorite words. <laughs> and you ship these things nationwide. Nationwide. I, I'll, I'll even go international if. Um, I actually have to speak to them on the phone. I don't just do it over online. Uh, most of my clients are in New York and Florida and here in California. Um, and then anybody can buy them over the Internet. At and you started doing a celebrity line. How did that come about? Um, it started off with my friend Sheena, actually. Um, and um, uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. That was a mistake. It was actually started off with my mother. Um, what? Thank you, Ryan. Oh, oh, sorry. Um, so it actually started off. It started off with my mother. Um, she was. Uh, she played Sissy on Family Affair. Um, and she asked if uh, she asked if I could do a line for. Her. So you she don't remember Family Affair? Before we move on, of course, Family, family Affair with Brian Keith and jo- Johnny Whitaker and yeah. And my Kathy mother. Garver, who my mother. Sissy. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, so she asked me to do a line, and uh, I did. I did, and, start, and started with that. And then it went to ne- Carolyn Hennessy, Sheena, uh, Sheena Metal, um, Michael Vaccaro, um, who else? I mean, Hank Garrett. He was in the Three Days with Condor. He was the killer mailman. Um, and uh, Allison Arngrum. Right. So I can't forget Allison, my little Allison. Um, she has two. Nellie Olson. She, she doesn't have. Has two candles. Um, two scents uh, herself. One Nellie and one Allison. <laughs> um, and I just started from there. And then thanks to this 
wiener right over here, I started doing cologne just like in the last two years. So he was my first cologne. We, I, I actually went to him and I said, I want to do, um, I want to do a scent for you, like just a candle. That's all I, all I wanted to do. And he's like, he comes back with, well, you know, I've had this thing about cologne, a cologne. And I, I'm like, okay, I've never done one before, but hey, let's do it. So I did. And so now he's got Proteus. And then I have, next one, I've got uh, T2, Trials and Tribulations, and then One Hunt that I dedicated to my father. Gaddy, which I dedicated to my cousin who passed away. Um, and then a new one I haven't named yet. And one for Hank Garrett. Nice. That's yeah, amazing. it's really cool. And then you started going to all these premieres and started providing the gift baskets that I heard about. So I found you online and said, hey, I'm coming to L.A. I'd like something for you. And you put together these amazing things for me last May. Last year, yeah. So I had to have you read, but how did that business start? Um, it actually, I will say my, my mom did it again. She, um, she got me hooked up with a woman um, at the uh, Oscars. They did the gifting suite for the Oscars, and I did a gifting suite for that. And um, ever, since then, it's like I, I, I do mostly it's mostly donations. Like I, I'll donate the gift bags to certain charities and stuff like that. Um, good text right off, and um, you know I like being helpful. I like you know helping and you know giving to the to whatever charity is out there. You know, um, again, thanks to Michael, I started my I, I did my first commercial with him, directed it, and. Produced the damn thing for Proteus, which is great, which, is, which I'm going to be uh, posting back on um, uh, social media soon. But, um, and uh, then I went to my second commercial and my third commercial, and now I, I produced the fifth season of Child of the 70s. And, uh, talk about that. You have more producing gigs coming up. Like you said, your mom is my, I'm, I'm doing a show. I'm doing a show with my mom called Aunt Sissy. It's Family Fair 50 years later. And um, it's going to be actually it's going to be really fun. We're, um, looks like from talking talking to her just yesterday, um, we're probably going to start um, filming in um, October down here in Palm Springs. And then it's funny because you mentioned Jake earlier. Um, I'm going to be producing his Boy Town. Nice. Yeah, and Michael's going to be in it. If I had Very to. cool. Given. <laughs> I think given. Michael will be in. Well, thank you for coming down to Palm Springs and putting these amazing gift bags in for us, Scott. I really Ooh, appreciate you're it. You're very welcome. I hope everybody loves the new cologne. Guys, we are going to go to one more break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Theo D. Robinson, fantastic portrait artist. You're listening to Left and Straight Show right here on Blog Talk Radio. Like you know me, I live in the world of green, too bad at painting the dream, but if you really know me, this spark faded out in the flesh, I'm here cause I'm getting it, I'm gonna turn the tide, I'm gonna live my life the way I want, the way I
combine photography with drawing and with painting. So when I do, I do photography in and of itself by commission, but then I also will do drawings or paintings based from my own photography uh, as a separate <coughs> commission, form of commission. So I wear several different hats. Um, I'm also, and you guys might uh, enjoy this, uh, I, so I wear the hat, I draw, I paint, and photograph people, but I'm also uh, writing a story for books, TV, and <coughs> series, and games called oh, nice. The Pluto Run, about an epic race of magnetic solar sail yachts racing from Mercury to Pluto and back again in the late 38th century. I was writing something exactly like that, yeah, right? <laughs> 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 it's, just, it's, a, it's sort of like the clipper ship races of the gold rush, gold rush era, or today's Volvo transatlantic within our solar system. So it's a tour of our solar system. So it's the time of an empire, a corrupt empire ruled by the eternal empress who's been cloned 16 times. There's a rogue AI general, um, there'll be revolution. She'll get knocked off probably after season one. Um, so <clears throat> that's sort of the, so I, I do my portrait work. That's what I've been doing for 30 years. Uh, I've been trying to write this story uh, for about 15. Uh, wow. The problem is I'm not really a writer. I see, I draw. I have actually built spaceships and photographed them, like from model parts. That I, I like build these models, and then I take them apart, and I take all the pieces, and then I rebuild things into my own design. And I photograph them, and, and right now they're all up on my Facebook page. Hmm. That is very cool. I love that. you got to get back on the show when you start finishing that project. That's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Then you talked about restoring. You've done some, you kind of got inspired by an early Sting restoration. That kind of inspired Tom Cruise restoration. <laughs> Sting is the first portrait that's on my website. Yes, uh, that's from 1987. Um, that was from a tiny little, like, inch and a half high little photo from some magazine I found in a used bookstore. Uh, so I did that and <clears throat> up on my site just to, you know, context uh, so people can see where I really started. Uh, on, on my new site, which is problemsandarts.com. Um, uh, I've had a site under that URL for, since 2003, but it was in Flash. So uh, you, couldn't, <laughs> you, couldn't see the pictures. you couldn't see my work on phones or on tablets, uh, and if you didn't have Flash. So uh, now it's visible on any platform, uh, phones, tablets, computers. Uh, and I, so on my Robinson Art site, uh, that's strictly portrait. That's strictly photography and portrait work. Uh, I do have a site and a page for the Pluto Run. Uh, I'm in the process of discussing with my web designer on how to build a proper site for that. If anyone is interested in them, I have a page on Facebook for the Pluto Run and for Robinson Arts. Oh, fantastic! Don't forget all that again at the end. Um, and then talk about your early influence besides your mom and family. What what artistic influences do you feel that you well kind of talk to? Probably my first influence would probably be Leonardo da Vinci. Because uh, when I'm photographing or doing someone's portrait, the thing that's some is sort of the most fun is to get the Mona Lisa smile. You know, when you get that smile that says, you're not sure quite what it's saying, you know, or, or what the person, you know. But I <clears throat> I like to capture all kinds of books from people. It's, it's a lot more fun I like. Uh, so, but he's the earliest. But any, anywhere from, from, uh, from Leonardo da Vinci to Caravaggio, to uh, <clears throat> Rembrandt, Vermeer, uh, Andy Warhol, uh, Frank Frazetta. Uh, that's some of my influences. Uh, Herb Ritz. Uh, Herb Ritz is I mean, Bruce Weber. Uh, Mario Testino uh, for photographers. Uh, uh, Albert, Albert Watts. 
Jackson, uh, Cyclops, you know, SSU. So, so lots of different areas and different types of artists who've done some of this. And you've shown um, exhibits everywhere from the U.S. to the U.K. to Paris. But we were talking um, out the pool one day. It's been very hard for a portrait artist to get showing because it's a whole different thing. People, if they want to see a picture of a person, they'll commission that, right? That's not a yeah. thing. Most of my work is by commission, so uh, it's very hard. Galleries, uh, gallery owners don't often take portrait artists per se uh, because, you know, again, as you just said, portraits don't sell off all celebrities, unless they're Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Again, Mona Lisa, right? right? Or you know, something like that. So it's very hard. It's hard to get you know uh, gallery owners interested in what I do, unless they're in it for the long term, and <clears throat> not so many always are. Um, so, uh, and I like being independent anyway. Uh, I don't fit really well into the agency uh, uh, system, uh, so I tend to stay independent. I'm also somewhat my retired, so I'm not like hustling, you know, to get work all the time. I take which jobs I want, uh, and, and which interests me. Uh, so, and that keeps me busy enough. So, uh, you know, that that works out fine. So, and, and you know, this, my training in photography and everything really started when I got to Paris and lived there for in Paris for 18 years, um, and I had a loft uh, with great lights that I could shoot people in. So that's where I really got started with that. Well, talk about that transatlantic life. I mean, you you live here part of the year, there part of the year. What was your initial draw to Paris, and what kept you there? Uh, I had well, what? Okay, that's several questions. So, <laughs> uh, what drew me to Paris? Uh, when I was growing up as a kid with my cousins, uh, we had one aunt who lived in Palma, Mallorca, uh, and she traveled all over the world, and you know, was sort of like our auntie maid a little bit for all of us, not just me. Right. Uh, and so she was always this far-off romantic figure living in Europe, and, you know, she'd send us for Christmas presents coins, you know, like from different countries and stuff, like silver dollars and stuff, but oh, cool. yeah. <laughs> wrapped in tons of digit paper that took us, like, minutes to open. Uh, so, uh, she was, so she was sort of an inspiration, but then, you know, growing up as an artist and studying art history, which I had to do in college a lot, uh, you know, especially when studying, the, the, you know, the modern artists, you know, everything, everything you know, in the art world in the, you know, the 20th and 19th century was in Paris. So, you know, being an artist and doing what I do, it was just a, a you know, a logical step that I would go to Paris. Um, so in 90, after I finished school at U of A, I moved to San Francisco, lived there in Hayes Valley for seven years. And um, my mom passed away and uh, stuff happened and I was able to go live, live in Paris and decided to settle there and stay there for 18 years. Fantastic. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming Thanks in. It's been a great pleasure, guys. Meet you here at the resort. All right, we're going to take one last break. When we come back, we're going to do some roundtable questions. Get everyone on social media so you can follow these fantastic men. You're listening to the Left of Straight Show right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes.
summer heat any day. Love it. Ronnie, do you get out here that much? Uh, I usually come down here for either actor or artist reasons. I come to look at the gallery. There's a huge art community down here, which is a lot of fun. And uh, I've been blessed to have a couple of films in the film festival down here. Uh, Scrooge and Marley and Bob both were down here for the film festival. Let's talk about um, vacations in general, both LGBT and just regular. Where do you guys like to go on vacation? Well, again, aside from the East Coast, I, was, I used to spend every summer either on Fire Island or in, in Cape Town, Provincetown. Uh, I got married in, in Provincetown. I got married at the boat slip in Provincetown, and it's been many years since I've been there. And you had an anniversary, did you? I did. Well, my wedding anniversary was the 24th of this month, so just a few days. Congratulations. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, and I love the beach. So even when I was living on the West Coast, I was, you know, any chance I could get, I was always at the beach. I do miss the beach. I was in Ventura and Huntington Beach for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I drive to Lake Erie quite a bit. It's not the same. The waves are this big, so it's like still nice. I was brought up on the beach, so like my whole life I've lived by the beach. So I'm you, used do, to it. do you travel? Do you like to travel? Um, most I travel is like you know Palm Springs, San Diego. I mean, I pretty much stay in Southern California unless I go home to visit my family in San Francisco. You live all over, Ronnie. Where do you like to travel? Uh, I mean, the fun one for me is Vegas. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, just it's, just, it's so easy. It's a four-hour drive, you know. It's uh, it's fun to go play some cards, the go-to show, and the Aria Buffet. I'll give them a free shout-out because, like, the Aria Buffet is everything. It's, like, phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, like, literally starve myself for days <laughs> <laughs> just so that I can go gorgeous. The Aria Buffet. Aria is actually the greatest buffet. It's yeah, incredible. It is. It is. It is. Michael, you've been doing this web series now for five years. Yes. 
Um, it's such a great way for actors to present themselves because it's so tough out there in the business now, but it's become such a, a game now. You have to get the funding through crowdsourcing or something like that. Where do you see, do you see web series staying a thing or do you see it stepping up or changing around or what do you, where do you see that? Well, I think, I, again, so right, like you said, I've been doing this for, I, I mean, I guess we started probably eight years ago. Started with writing it, the idea and writing it and all that stuff. Um, so I think we've gone through a period where, you know, now anybody can be a filmmaker essentially, is, you know, as long as you have an iPhone. Basically, if you have an iPhone, you can be a you can be a filmmaker. Anybody who has the money to go out buy a nice Canon and call themselves a photographer, right? Yeah. We've talked about it. Um, and so then all of a sudden there was this sort of glut of like uh, of web series where anybody could put anything they wanted up on on YouTube, YouTube and get millions of hits and all that stuff. So I think we sort of had to spend that time and wade through all of that stuff. A lot of it was terrible. So now I think now I think actually it's getting really. Uh, it's all sort of getting really great. I have another idea for another one I want to do. Um, and now there are all these platforms, besides YouTube, obviously. Uh, Child of the 70s, for instance, is now on um, Deku. I don't know if anybody knows Deku, which is... Uh, Deku's a great... It's sorry, great. It's, it's, yeah. it's not LGBT. It's just G. Oh, just G. Okay. Specifically G. It's like Netflix for G. And, uh, and it's great. So they're showing it as well. And we're also on OutTV. Which is all throughout Europe, in fact, as well. So, but I think that um, I think that now people can do web series, and with a, with a reasonable expectation that they're going to be seen. Maybe they'll get on Amazon. Maybe they'll get on Netflix. I mean, there are so many great platforms out there now. So, which makes it better, and and but also a little bit more difficult because you have to to be good. You have to get good. But aren't they regulating it now? I mean, they even have awards now for web series. They may have awards now for... Uh, it's about time, yeah, because there's some great acting. Yeah, there's great acting. And, 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 you know, full-on celebrities want to do them now. So I think it's a, I think it's a great opportunity. Uh, I would suggest that people... I mean, just this business in general, but that specifically, it's really hard. Just, just don't think that you're just going to get in and, like, get, a, you know, get picked up by Amazon. It's really hard. Years and years and years of struggle and begging people for money, you know, having sex with everybody, <laughs> well, just to get just to get them on your show. Um, you know, so it's just it's a it's it's one of those things where it's you can't do this part time. I guess is what I'm saying. This is you know this becomes your life, and you have to take a project and and know that you're going to be working on this project for eight years. And you're not gonna have anything else. It always costs more and takes longer than you think. Absolutely. You always I oh you always go over budget, you're always begging for more money, you're always begging for more time, you're always begging for volunteers. It's just yeah. But it's part of the deal. And I think um, as much as I complain about the whole process, I've obviously loved it. Yeah. Sure. And Scott, talk about your business. I mean, you do mostly mail order, right? You don't have a sh do you have a showroom as well? No, I've actually uh, been contemplating a brick and mortar here in Palm Springs. So talk about the need for social media and something like that, or, or how do you build a business online anymore? Well, but there's so many channels out there now between YouTube, Facebook. It, I mean, it's Instagram. I mean it's difficult. It, it really is difficult, especially with, with my business, is because it's candle, you know, it's it's cologne. Um, how many people do you know are just going to buy a bottle of cologne that they've never smelled off the internet? You know, so it is difficult. So you've got you've got social media galore. I mean, I because of him here, I started doing commercials. So getting you know just like his produce commercial, you know, brought in so many fucking people to see the to, to see my website, and and I mean his, his the sales went through the roof at one point. Um, 
but just, you know, you, you put a face to the clone. That, that, that's the best way that you could do it. Uh, a lot of people, you know, okay, like vanilla and lavender, you know, it's one of the most popular scents on the planet. Of course, mine is the best set of every single one. But, um, you know, but you know what it smells like. But the funny thing is, is each French vanilla, I mean, each vanilla lavender smells different than next. They never smell exactly the like. So you never know. So that's another need for like a brick and mortar, you know. Um, most of my customers are originally from, they were originally, you know, through word of mouth, friends of mine or something like that. And then word of mouth, one, you know, you tell two people, they tell two people, they tell two people, you know. And then all of a sudden I have like repeat customers and I have new customers and new clients that I need to make a private label for, for their, for their stores. I mean, I have, I have candles in stores. Um, they're in, I've been 17 stores across the United States, but they're not mine. I mean, they're mine, but they're not mine. They're not my name. Right. They're a private label, so they're, they're the store's name that's on the candle, you know, but they're my candles. I've made them, and I do everything by hand, so I, you know, make the order, literally. When we talk about politics a little bit, you're independent-driven. What are the couple of things you think everyone needs to understand that's not part of the mainstream right now that people really need to be paying attention to, especially coming into midterms? What should people be looking for? Well, I think it's important. I think we're in a great awakening right now uh, politically. I think this last election is, has actually done us a service, even though I know many of us are frustrated at certain things that are happening. But it's a real wake-up call to understand more about how our system works. And it's pretty cool, actually. There's a lot of different ways outside of your vote that you can get involved. But you got to just do your homework. you got to get out there and do your, your research Stay away from just the corporate mega multimedia empires of CNN and Fox and ask more questions and talk with people that have different perspectives than you because a lot of times if you can get past that first hurdle of, you know, putting someone down or just automatically deciding you're not going to agree with them and letting that be enough to not talk with them, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice because I think one of the things we've done in this country, especially around the family dinner table at holidays, is we say, oh, no, don't talk about religion and politics. But we've essentially taught ourselves not to have some of the most important conversations that we should learn how to healthfully do. So I would challenge all of your listeners that even if you encounter someone who may be on a different, you know, may identify as a different label, you know, whether they're a D or an R or anything in between, have the conversations. And instead of, like, there's always going to be the people that aren't rational. They're coming right. from a more emotional place for whatever reason. And at some point you're going to have to just learn to be wise enough to disengage. But I think most people, if you can get into that dialogue and find common ground, you might learn something. You might learn something new or at least keep that bridge open so that you could cross it in another couple of weeks with some new information, you know. And I think we need to start looking at facts. <laughs> you know, we need to start looking at facts and making decisions that are best for the country, you know, not just for big corporations or oligarchs. We really do need to make sure because what's going to happen is the system is going to fall apart on itself if we don't close that uh, wealth gap. I think we need to pay attention to that. And, Gio, talk about there's so many apps out there now for doing this art, that art. Technology has come so much in art where it's not really a creative process anymore with pressing buttons. Where do you see something like that who actually has the skills that took the time to learn that? How do you feel about this, this digital revolution? 
Well, Scott, uh, I'm 53 years old. I got my degree in 1990 in fine arts and illustration. And I was working on a type of board that uh, architects and illustrators used called Letronax Board. That company that makes those boards is no longer it no longer exists. Wow. So many of the tools, just the tools that I used when I was going to school and first starting out, are no longer available. I was fortunately able to find some at a warehouse in Chicago and buy a whole bunch of you know what they had in stock, and that's probably enough for the rest of my life. But it made me realize that I'm uh, a dinosaur. Uh, I'm. I mean, I can't really even teach what I do because I don't have the board, and, you know, so, so I feel sort of like I'm going extinct, uh, which, you know, I'm too young to die. <laughs> um, but uh, it is a new world. It's a new age. Uh, I've had, you know, as, as a as uh, growing artist myself, I've had to adapt to the different medias, you know, so I had to learn to become a photographer in order to do my drawing and painting. But I also had, once learning photography, I also had to learn Photoshop. Uh, so that I could do all of my photography, you know, and do everything in-house. So it's a constantly evolving game, right? Yes, that's the best way I can put it, or, 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 or force of creation. I mean, you just have to keep learning uh, and open to learning. Uh, and, you know, so you have to, like, sometimes wear several different hats, you know, uh, to, to handle all the digital advances. Uh, I mean, I, I try to be a little bit of, you know, uh, I aspire to be a, a geek. Uh, so, uh, like one program I watch to keep up on tech, and it's in the arts or in anything, is on BBC World. It's called Click. Uh, and every week on Saturdays, they talk about everything on technology. So, that has helped me on occasion with my artistic career. Um, but also, you know, like, which is the best phone to buy? You know, and, and which, you know, media, which, like, camera is the best on which phone, right? You know, the, the, you know, is this brand better or is this one better? Which is higher resolution, which has more effect. You know, like Michael was saying, I mean, you can do everything on the phone now. You don't need any of the, you know, the big equipment. You can, like, do it all yourself now. So, you know, from when I started as an artist to where it is today, it's done itself on the ballgame. It's, it's a whole open playing field for anyone to do anything that they want. And the only problem is, is distribution and marketing. So, after that answer the question. No, it does. No, it's fantastic. This has been a great diverse panel, guys. Thank you so much today. I really appreciate all your time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all of my guys can, uh, listeners can follow you. Michael, give your social media out. Oh, my God, there's so much. Okay, there's michaelvaccaro.com. There's uh, the original child of the 70s dot com. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on uh, in the Instagram. All over the place. Yeah. Scott? Uh, mine is cbtkendallla.com. On Facebook, it's the same. Scott Travis or cbtkendallla.com. And Instagram. Yep. And you guys can check me out at ronniecroll.com. R-O-N-N-I-D. Last name Kroll. K-R-O-E-L-L.com. And all the social media is all Ronnie Kroll. Super. Uh, my website is uh, robinsonarts.com, R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N-A-R-T-S.com. Uh, my other site, uh, and uh, on Facebook, on, on Facebook is AputoRum.com. Super. Well, guys, it's been a fantastic time. Thanks for taking your time to come all the way out here to Palm Springs. I appreciate it immensely. Proceeding at a final song ready to play up here tomorrow. 
We're going to have Billy Cliff. We're going to have David Milburn. We're going to have Jasper Cole. It's going to be a fun talk all about movies at Old Hollywood tomorrow and the Black Cat Revolution, a little bit of gay activism there. all sorts of fun stuff. Thanks for Tomorrow is going to be Christina's last show with me. I'm so sad out here. Oh. Christina, thanks for all your help back in Ohio. Be sure to tune in tomorrow, 2 o'clock Pacific, 5 o'clock Eastern, right here at the Left of Straight Show. We're having a great night. Bye-bye. Yeah, I